Welcome. This is Beyond the Hate. I'm Steven. I'm John. I just got back watching, uh, just got back from watching The Last Judd Apatow. Uh, and John finally watched Return of the King's Cousin. Yeah, it was actually, uh, you know, and I think for that movie, it, it's really underrated. It is. Joe yeah. Pesci is amazing in that movie. Yeah. Yeah, Pesci uh, and then <laughs> Danny DeVito. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the movie. As and the of cousin. course, we're talking about Star Wars starring Shia LaBeouf, right? Yeah, Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Megan Fox. Yeah, there we go. It's Princess that's the Leia. Wrong, oh, it's the wrong movie, isn't it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, today, uh, joking aside, we are continuing part two of our Star Wars Christmas special. And this is episode two. Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones. So, the... <laughs> I think going back and watching this movie, because I watched a little bit of it earlier to kind of like, you know, kind of remind my brain of some of the stuff in this movie. And going through IMDb, you know, like other movies I've, I've looked and it's it was a cesspool of just stupid comments and stuff. There's a... Oh, there's a lot of hate for this movie. But... I found when I was looking through that there's, you know, on Phantom Menace, there was like, like 30, 3,600 comments roughly right. about it. Um, there's a, no, about the almost the exact same. There's like 3,500 on Attack of the Clones. So, now not all of them are negative necessarily, but oh boy, did I find some negativity. Oh, there, there's probably <laughs> going to be a lot of negativity. Um, people hated this movie. And I'm going to go ahead and say myself, it's it's not a complete movie, but it wasn't meant to be. It's a bridge from one movie to the next. And George Lucas also wanted to work on a cartoon series to tell the rest of the story. So he was kind of like, hey, you want to know the rest of that? Here's this cartoon series I produced. The Clone Wars, yeah. Um, he was trying to branch out Star Wars a little bit more beyond movies. He's bunch of tv shows i think even now disney's going to let them produce a live action tv show um here coming up pretty soon um unless it was scrapped i haven't heard about that being scrapped but they yeah. still talk to george lucas a lot he's still involved vaguely not really into the new trilogy at all but uh you know he gave us notes and he stepped away but he's the godfather of Star Wars, so it would be it would behoove you to keep him around at least to make sure that you're doing things the right way. You know that if you have an idea, you bounce it off George, and it's like, hey, you know, we have an idea of like a character, or we have a particular kind of part of the story we want to do. What's your thoughts? Now they can take it or leave it, but it would be it would be a disgrace to just totally you know remove George from every bit of those movies. It'd be interesting knowing these new Star Wars movies, how many of these characters were George Lucas's idea. Yeah. Um, and how many were just original thoughts. Because um, the character Ray basically was from Lucas because he had, you know, because at the, the, well, at the time she was called Kira, uh, which I thought was kind of funny because it's like, reminds you of Kira Knightley, but... Yeah, but the character probably Ray, exactly who he had in mind. Right? Yeah, he's probably thinking like, "Hey, I want to do like a you know the new trilogy of stuff. I want to have like a female lead this time instead of it being kind of based around Luke. This time it'd be based around Ray." 
or around Kira, and then you know it was like, well, what about Kira Knightley? Because worked with her before on Phantom Menace, you know. But I, I think it'd be cool to see Kira Knightley come back and do something else in Star Wars, but as a different character. That'd be kind of cool. That would be cool because you don't really, you know, you don't see her actual face a lot in that anyway. So yeah, I mean, you could have her come back and be a different character, possibly. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. You know, whenever they ultimately recast Jar Jar Binks, right? that's gonna happen. Like, who would play him? I'm just kidding. We know that's not gonna happen. It's gonna be uh, Philomar. Let's just because <laughs> he does every voice in Hollywood. But let, let's say they recasted Jar Jar Binks, like right now. Who would you get? Like Michael B. Jordan, Michael B. Jordan, uh, Omar Epps, Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell. <laughs> He would have the goofy, you know, slapstick comedy part down. Wilma Valderrama. Wilma Valderrama, really? I, I just, the whole idea of, like, somebody who played Fez playing Jar Jar, that's very Tell charming. me you wouldn't watch that. I I would probably watch that if it was Wilma Valderrama. Yeah. Like, Aston yeah. Kutcher. Aston Kutcher. Uh, yeah. He wouldn't take that role. He likes his face too much. Right? Yeah. No. No. I can't get cut in the face. Like right. I, you can't like Kylo Ren me where I got like damaged in the face. Yeah, it's gotta be. Pretty. This is the money maker. It's gotta be pretty. <laughs> right? Yeah, because he's gotta be able to go home. He's, to he's basically like anti Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp's like, I know I look good. Fuck my face all up. Ashley <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kutcher's like, no, I have to remain beautiful at all times. All times. Right. Keep this shit immaculate. Right. <laughs> But my best, my best options for the next Jar Jar Binks is Jason Manzoukas. Jason Manzoukas. <laughs> What's up, jerks? <laughs> God. I, but the thing, yeah, and then you could maybe have, like, you know, Paul Shear be R2-D2 because, you know, he's just as bald. <laughs> <laughs> R2-D2 has more hair than you, Paul. Right. <laughs> oh. And, you know, your wife. Uh, June Diane Rayfield, she'll she'll have like she'll be like a queen or something. You're like a robot, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she'd be descendant of, of some royalty, and you're just a droid. <laughs> but anyway, back to Attack of the Clones. Um, <clears throat> this is probably the the most hated Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah. Of all time, at least uh, until until we have something else that maybe takes the title from it, possibly. But. Uh, the thing I think with with Attack of the Clones is that it has to it has to follow Phantom Menace, which is a good start to the to the prequels, and then it has the it has the same kind of problem that Empire Strikes Back has. It doesn't necessarily have much of a beginning, and it doesn't really have like a definitive end. It kind of leaves you hanging. It's a bridge, but it's I mean. it's the it's the it's the second act in a three act play, right? That's when Lucas was was doing these trilogies, that's basically how it is. You know, the first act, you set up the characters, you set up the environment and the situations. The second movie or the second part, basically everything is you starting to grow. It builds the character relationships build a bit. You learn more about certain characters, and it, you know they get closer. Some people get closer, like in Empire Strikes Back. It was Han and Leia. They got closer when they were on the run and working with each other. In the you know, Attack of the Clones, you have Anakin and you have Padme get closer as they're, you know, like on the run or, you know, basically trying to get Padme away from the assassinations and all the political plot stuff. Yeah, and the budget was the exact same on this as it was on the Phantom Menace, $115 million. Uh, domestic gross was $310 million. Worldwide, $656 million. Um, 
It's a lot of cash. That is a lot of cash. It that would be considered like a hugely successful DC movie. Right. <laughs> yeah. What's that compared to Suicide Squad? Do you remember Suicide Squad's box office numbers? Off I the do top not of remember that, but uh, pretty sure. Uh, I don't think Suicide Squad did that much. I don't think it did either. Yeah, but you know, considering that this is what people consider the worst Star Wars or the one that they hate the most, it still made a good ton of money. And, you know, even in merchandising and things like that, too, because it made a good bit of merchandising as well. Yeah, I mean... It... <laughs> and also is what led us to the Clone Wars TV show. So, you know... Which made a lot. I mean, Star Wars were, was worth so many billions before Disney bought it. Right. Uh, video games, merchandise, movies. That's what George Lucas was kind of the master of. Yeah, marketing. Um, marketing. He he really was. You, you can't really hate that because, you know, tell me, you, you know, you think Disney created Lego Star Wars? No, Lucas. Lucas did it. That's that's a collector's thing that's been a collector's thing for 20 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, That's I, what got all the other movies to start doing the Lego stuff. Star Wars. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I, if I remember it, I think... I, yeah, I had an X-wing that was made out of Legos, like when I was younger, because it had like a little little Luke that came with it, and it was yeah. like it was yeah, like Luke Star Wars, R2 Star Trek, the you know Star Trek, you know the the models. Star Trek was more of like the models, and then Star Wars were Legos. Yeah, you know that that's kind of the thing, like the Lego know? Millennium Falcon yeah. and all that stuff. You know how much you have to pay for those things now? I mean, Disney buying just the rights to that alone probably covered their four billion dollars eventually yeah just from the <laughs> like the toys and the toys yeah yeah and you know stuffed porgs and <laughs> <laughs> porgs that's probably several hundred million dollars just in pork merchandise hey, alone. No, look you you know i know people probably are loving the porgs but you know that was lucas that had to have been a lucas creation the porg that's probably something they kept the uh that and but the the thing that gets me is that people love the porg thing i'm gonna be really yeah yeah that's what i was about to say i'm really pissed about that because they're like ewoks shouldn't fight anything it's like well ewoks are based off basically the vietnamese they're guerrilla tactics they're outnumbered they're and somewhat native american too yeah yeah that too yeah Yeah. but uh because they're they're supposed to be like uh you know lucas was kind of a hippie though you know he he was very anti-war oriented and he always wanted to talk about things like that and so he took a little bit of everything and threw it threw it into stuff right yeah i mean that's i mean even the idea that the stormtroopers are named after you know parts of hitler's military that were named stormtroopers you know and oh yeah there's a lot of hitler stuff that goes on in attack of the clones especially about palpatine uh which is you know for one it's how he takes power yeah. This is the exact way Hitler takes power. Where did stormtroopers come from? Came from clones. Clone troopers. Clone troopers. Yeah. Which is basically like, hey, if you want your perfect race of people, it's this. And that's what Palpatine did. Yeah. But he, he based an entire army on Django Fett. We'll get to that later. But, yeah. like really Well, Django like- Fett was actually inspired by Django uh, Unchained, the 50s movie. 
Oh, right. Okay. Not Quentin Tarantino's. Because I was like, I, I don't remember them using the N-word once in Attack of the Clones. No, no, no. It's totally different. If yeah. you ever watched Tarantino's Django and watched the 1950s Django, it's not the same movie. Yeah. <laughs> but on this one, the D is not silent. The D is missing. Yes. <laughs> so it's totally... Yeah, right. It's, it's totally different. But, uh, so... When you start going into the hate for this movie, and uh, there's quite a few people that say that this is the worst movie ever made, but we, we get that on almost every movie where they people feel like it's the worst movie ever made. People's like, so, we gotta get our point across, and we gotta say it's the worst movie ever made when it clearly is not. No. And so this this first one that I found, and the, the tagline of this is, is was what made me read it further, it says the best part was the THX logo. <laughs> that was the that was the thing they thought was the best part of this movie was like, man, when the THX logo comes up, I walked out, I was done. I was done. <laughs> I came and then I left. <laughs> I came. <laughs> but uh, this is uh, they gave it a one out of ten, and this is uh, made by NYX underscore Celine Ten. Oh wow! Yeah, so this actually this sure is a female too. Oh, this geez. is a female. If I remember from reading this one, I think this actually is a female. Uh, but this is uh, from, or no, the ten is part of the date. Like that's the thing. Like IMDb seriously fix the way these are done because I keep thinking these are part of the usernames and it's actually the date. But anyway, yeah, it's not John's fault. It's yours. It's IMDb's. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I am. You know, without fault. So uh, this is October of 2011, right? So Attack of the Clones was 2002. Yeah. So you know, this so is yeah. this is nearly a de almost a decade after the movie had come out, right? This so, is like how long it should have took for like the Death Star plans uh, to happen before the Rebels took it, but it took like 22 years. But that's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll probably when we get to like the the Geonosians, yeah, we'll we'll talk a bit about that too. Death Star plans are in this fucking movie. Yeah, twenty two years later, the rebels take them. I mean, because they're apparently still floating around for some fucking reason. It takes people twenty two years to read a fucking blueprint. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, so back to Attack of the Clones. Uh, it says uh, words can't describe how terribly bad this movie is, but an easy summary is that every single thing in the movie is the exact opposite of what would make sense. It is also another perfect example of what happens when movie-related merchandise becomes the goal of movie-making instead, instead of a byproduct. Uh, first of all, Anakin is all grown up, Amidala is a senator, Palpatine is chancellor, and we're told that Anakin is Obi-Wan's apprentice, and C-3PO and R2-D2 are around, so the first movie didn't need to be made at all. This is practically an altogether new story and everything worth mentioning from episode one could be squeezed in the first five minutes of it. Uh, no. <laughs> not at all. None you can't, of that made any sense. Yeah, you cannot take the the runtime of The Phantom Menace and boil it down to where you could explain everything off in about five minutes. They already have to make some jumps here by making it go ten years from the end of Phantom Menace to the beginning of this movie because Anakin and Obi-Wan have been, you know, working together for 10 years. Padme has served, you know, two terms basically as the Queen of Naboo and then she becomes a senator after that. Yeah, it goes from um, Phantom Menace 10 years later, 
you get to uh, Attack of the Clones, and then Attack of the Clones is three years later to Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. And then, well, like, Revenge of the... How long does it take to get through Revenge of the Sith? Like, well, no, that movie probably takes place over, what, like, maybe a few weeks? Yeah, probably. a few weeks, and then it's like, what, like, 20 years later, then then that's part four. Yeah, that's... That's when you get to, like, you know, Luke and Leia basically getting into their part of the story. Because Luke's, like, 20, right? Yeah, Luke and Leia, they're, I think they're supposed to be 20 years old. 19 or 20, but young, you know. Great um, movie. I'm pretty sure people are like, Luke shouldn't have been the main character. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> yes, he is. I'm pretty sure you can find any of these Star Wars movies with any type of hate. Yeah, we could probably do... All of the Star Wars movies. I, I know that there's people that don't like Return of the Jedi. You know, but the, the thing about it is, Star Wars fans, and I'm not dissing anybody in particular, but the ones that you know that just want to try to find something to hate, um, they're bitches. They, they just <laughs> set this high standard and expect everything to be perfect. Yeah. And that's never been what Star Wars has been about. Ever. No. Actually, it's the opposite. George Lucas created it based off imperfections. He was just trying to make a movie uh, that that looked good in sci-fi. And it ended up being like one of the greatest sci-fi movies ever. It's one of the most influential movies of all time. And then A New Hope ended up setting some type of unattainable standard that no one can ever reach and they always expect it yeah like these movies should be the greatest ever every time and a lot of times they are great but people aren't satisfied like i wanted something to like like blow my brain out of my skull every time i walked in the theaters it's like that's not reality no but that's the thing when when even if you go back to something like phantom menace right the, the thing that everybody was anticipating was, like, this is a totally new Star Wars trilogy. And everybody had all these expectations of what they wanted, what they were going to, what they were going to see. And the thing is, is that there is no way that that movie was ever going to live up to the hype that people had in their heads for it. They decided before it even came out that they were going to hate it. And that's the same thing people do now. Yeah, especially amongst superhero films and stuff like that, they go ahead and decide that they're gonna hate a Marvel film or a DC film before they even see it because they think there's a side to choose. There isn't. I love the Marvel films. I have a Batman tattoo on my fucking arm. Right. He also has a Mjolnir tattoo as well. Yeah, I have a so Thor's hammer. You can like anything. You don't have to pick a side. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and the the whole idea that like they're talking about on here where it's like merchandise being the goal instead of being a byproduct it i mean to a degree there are certain things that they put into the movie that you're like hey they could definitely make toys off this but george never built his universe on like this is what i can use to big toys he would just look at him and go hey the people you know dig this ship let's make a toy out of this ship or whatever. Oh, George Lucas loves toys. Oh, yes. No one is debating that. If he can make a toy out of it, or a video game, he's fucking doing it. But he doesn't write the story based on the idea that, hey, I'm going to put this in the movie because I think a guy can make toys on it. He may design a character. 
to sell toys, but that's totally different. It might not even be a main character. Yeah. It might just be like, hey, this this thing I just made over here is pretty cool. Jabba the Hutt technically not a main character. He's really barely, barely in Star Wars. One of the hardest fucking original toys to get. Was yeah, and I had <laughs> back in the day, uh, like when I was a kid, I had the Jabba the Hutt action figure with like his little royal slab thing that he sits on. I had that as a kid. Yeah, that you know? thing is expensive now. Yeah, I had the one. Wish where I still had it. Had the one where you can move the tail and he like wiggles or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's the one that. that. Yeah, yeah, I think that was the same one that I had. Yeah, I had that. that. Yeah. Those things are expensive. Yeah, nowadays, but you know that's the thing is that like. Everybody kind of approaches Star Wars with their own, like, bias and their own opinions and stuff like that. But the thing is, is that the... I think people forget that, like, these these movies, especially the prequel movies, this is all out of George Lucas's head. And to say that, like, well, you know, we don't agree with his story and, and stuff like that. And it's like, if you're going to be that kind of a fan, just don't watch these anymore. You know, it's like people that, you know, complain... About, like, Star Trek, oh, well, you know, Picard's boring. Well, then don't watch The Next Generation if you think it's boring. Yeah, I mean... Why do you, why do you keep watching something that you hate? <laughs> and I have a comment later. I might even go to this one, like, sooner than normal. But I have a comment, like, later on that kind of references stuff like that. Uh, but continuing on with this one. Uh, it says, uh, second of all, well, everything... Amidala knows that someone's trying to kill her, but does nothing to hide. She constantly resides near the biggest windows she can find. A shapeshifter assassin shows up, but tries to kill Amidala using bugs. The Jedi meant to protect Amidala both chase after the assassin, but instead of just shifting shape and going back to finish the job, she tries to kill the Jedi instead. And so, but the thing about Coruscant, though, is that for... a most of the, the environments in that movie, they have, like, giant open windows all over the place. That's just kind of like how the architecture in Coruscant is. Well, that's not even the point of that. They but, they, they literally say Anakin uh, comes up with the idea to use Amidala as bait. Yeah. Let's to make, draw an assassin. Yeah. So, where do they put her in front of a window? Pay attention. Yeah. That's exactly what the conversation is. Use her as bait. You know, like, hey, let's use her as bait and let's put her in the safest place in the fucking city. No, they're like, let's try to make it easy for the assassin. assassin. Yeah, they draw her out. They come in, rescue her real quick, and then Obi-Wan fucking amazingly jumps out the window, grabs out the fucking drone, and then, I mean, that shit's amazing. Obi-Wan. Yeah. I mean, Obi-Wan fucking, he is this movie. Right, yeah. I mean, don't watch the movie if you're like, I only care about Anakin's story arc. Because then, yeah, maybe you won't enjoy it. Because it's a love story. A love story that George Lucas wrote down, wrote down on paper. And then whenever the scenes were being shot, said, you know what, don't don't say any of this. You you guys have lived it. Because that's, a li- that's literally what happened in this movie. Yeah. He scrapped all of his his writings and told Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman to ad-lib their scenes together. Based off, like, the concept of what he wanted them to do. Yeah, so those things are Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman. Yeah. They did those things, so... And so, like, that kind of blends into the next thing. Well, before we go into that, Obi-Wan is a complete badass diving out of that window and grabbing that droid... Yeah, like amazing. he's and then that whole chase sequence is basically like, hey, uh, 
Obi-Wan's a badass, and Anakin is just kind of like learning to be a badass through Obi-Wan. Because, he, yeah, you know... he's watching. He's, he's watching, he's learning. He'll get it. I yeah. Mean, you know. I mean, because Anakin becomes pretty badass by the time you get to episode three. In this movie, you can kind of feel that he's still in that weird, awkward student phase where he's trying to learn what he can, but he's also trying to do a little bit of his own thing. But I think that the the whole thing where they're they're chasing after uh, Zam the assassin Zam Wessel, uh, they're chasing after Zam, and then you basically have Obi Wan trying to, you know, go after the assassin, but Anakin actually jumps onto like you know her like car her flying car basically to try and attack it it's i think for anakin it's more emotional because he has a bigger attachment to padme as we you know learn as we go through this movie but i think that he almost felt like he felt like he had to jump onto the thing to go after the assassin because he didn't want to get showed up by obi-wan by him diving out of the window, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, th I think that's that's correct. Yeah, uh, and then also, like, when they get into the into the sports bar, and Anakin's just, like, pacing around, trying to find out, like, where the assassin is, and what does Obi-Wan do? He goes to the bar and gets a drink. <laughs> it's very calm. He yeah. Trusts his, he trusts his senses. Yeah, because he's, like, you know, he's, like, he's just going to have patience. He was, like, eventually, you know, I'm going to figure this out, but I'm going to wait until, you know, something changes. A lot of people in that bar scene also, by the way, uh, that, that wasn't green screen. Uh, they actually built that set, and a lot of people in the bar were actually people that was uh, cast members. Yeah, because Ahmed Best is in it. Ahmed Best and Anthony Daniels, Daniels. is over there. So who is, yeah, He's the guy who plays C-3PO. You don't know, then turn this off right now. <laughs> if you don't know who Anthony Daniels is, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> Why did you click on this in the first place? <laughs> but, uh, 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 let's see. Going So, yeah. So, then basically, after they have this whole thing where there's Zam gets shot by the dart to take her out, right? Because right. she failed. So, then Obi-Wan gets a hold of the dart and he's trying to figure out, like, you know, what's going on. So, he goes to, goes to, like, his buddy, uh, and uh, it's what's it, Dexter, the uh, Dexter Jetster, the Dex, the uh, it's like his good buddy in the diner. It's like an old friend of his that he's known for years, and he's like, "What's up with this dart? Can you tell me what this is?" Total racist. You know that was supposed to be Cedric the Entertainer. Riot this movie. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> no, that wasn't supposed to be Cedric, but <laughs> but, but it uh, would have been awesome. Yeah. And then, you know, eventually he ends up, you know, going into the Jedi archives to try and look and see if he can find a system that matches what Dexter told him about where it should be. And then it didn't exist. It didn't exist. He goes and, and he talks to Yoda. Kids helped him figure it out because Yoda, you know, is the master to all the kids. We've talked about this. We talked about this in the last episode. But it's, it's interesting, though, because you have – this is where the, the paths kind of split a bit. Because you have Obi Wan on the one hand, he's trying to he's trying to follow up on what's up with that dart. He knows that he needs to find a planet named Camino, and he's not sure exactly where it's supposed to be. But he's gonna have to fly. He's gonna have to basically travel there through hyperspace to see if he can find the planet where it's where Dexter knows it's supposed to be. And then on the other hand, you've got Anakin and Padme basically, where you know he's assigned to protect her, and then she figures that she would go back home. 
and try and, and work out some additional things that's going on because there's this, you know, there's this treaty that, you know, Dooku wants her to sign. And if she won't sign, then they're going to assassinate her because the person behind the assassination is Dooku, right? He's, he's working all this stuff in the background. Dooku is actually responsible for a lot of stuff in this movie, like um, the Tusken Raiders. This isn't in the movie, but this is canon. The Tusken Raiders were paid by Count Dooku to kidnap Shmi. Uh, to torture and kill her, basically. It was a part that Palpatine told Dooku to kidnap her to have her killed. That would have been interesting if they actually would have put that in the movie, too. It's canon. It is confirmed. It, it's legit, but they did not put that in the movie. But, yeah, when you figure how many things Dooku's kind of doing in the background and then, of course, Palpatine's doing in the background, that would be that would be, in, that would be interesting if they would have actually used that. And then if you pay attention, well, you have to have, like, super hearing or whatever, but when Anakin is about to slaughter the Tusken Raiders, you can hear Qui-Gon's voice very vaguely in the background speaking. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I do remember that. He's trying to convince Anakin not to do it as a force ghost, and he fails. Yeah, because at that point his emotions are so high. But basically, when they split off, uh, this is the next part of uh, uh, Celine's comment here. And it says, uh, "To protect her, they send Amidala back home with Anakin, who is obviously in love with her, but is forbidden to love anyone." Uh, does anyone know why that is? When Yoda said that the Force was strong in your family, pass on what you have learned to Luke, I got the impression that the ability to use the Force is somewhat hereditary. But since the Jedi can't have families, according to the new trilogy, this uh, ability is completely random. It, it doesn't at all explain why it, why it would be strong in an entire family or why Anakin or Luke's children would automatically get it. She takes him to the most romantic place imaginable and walks around in practically no clothes at all while telling him how impossible his love is. <laughs> well, the thing about it is um, it's not about family uh, with the Force. The Force the force is one. You're one with the Force. Right. <laughs> uh, right? Isn't that... I'm one with the Force and the Force is with me. <laughs> so... Um... The Force chooses people. It's not anything in anybody's control. You know, it, it, it concentrated in Anakin, and he did have the ability to balance in the Force, and I guess technically he did, but it was just Luke. It's the will of the Force. It's the will of the Force. It, so... You know, th this is just people that are too angry about something that they see or don't see. It it's usually that they don't see, that they get very angry about. Uh, if you just watch this movie, like, I mean, how, how is this different than watching a movie like uh, they, they say this is boring or something like that? It's kind of a detective story with a love story in it, which is why it made more worldwide like overseas than it did domestically because people like a little bit of everything inside of a movie yeah overseas in america they're like give me an action movie i only want to see senseless killing 
or give me a drama. I only want to see something that'll make me cry, or give me this. Overseas, a lot of their movies has everything, and this was kind of it. Yeah, because you've got a little bit of action, you've got some suspense because you have Obi Wan trying to follow the trail of you know what's going on with Kamino, and then he finds the clones, and he's wondering like, well, who the hell commissioned the clones? Because Sifo Dyas was killed all those years ago, and you know then you've got the love story, so you have all these different things blending together, and then you have the political stuff going on because you got Dooku and he's got all those different you know people there. He's got the banking clan. He's got the techno union. He's got all these different things because he's basically trying to you know create this like insurgents to go up against you know what's left of you know what's what's in the republic. Add Jet Li, billion dollar movie. Right, <laughs> just in China alone. <laughs> yeah, in China. It's like wait, they put Jet Li in Star Wars. It's like yes. It's like. And I love Donnie Yen, but if Jet Li was in Rogue One, better movie. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Donnie Yen. But I'm, uh, just, I'm just kidding. You did a great job. Yeah, you, you did, did a, a good great job. job. As like a like a force monk, that was a pretty cool idea. Force monk. Jet, Jet Li wouldn't die. Like that. But the thing is, is that <laughs> you have. <laughs> he wouldn't have died at the end. Just saying. He but would've, uh, he would have defeated everyone around him, and then said, "You are next." Right. <laughs> and then kick Darth Vader's ass. And then the Enterprise would have came down. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you keep trying to... No, I'm doing it too. We keep blending Star Trek and Star Wars and people are going to hate us for it. But that's fine because we're beyond your hate. Yeah. But, uh, but the whole idea that like he's saying that, you know, well, you know, I thought the, the, you know, the Force was hereditary because it runs in certain families. It's like the Skywalkers are especially... Strong in the force, but you know, as far as we can tell, Shmi Skywalker isn't force sensitive, you know. But no, and then you know, Anakin is extremely strong in the force, Luke is, but in the context of like the original trilogy, you don't, Luke doesn't really understand how to do much because he was trained for a few hours by Obi Wan, and then he was trained for what probably a couple months, if that, by Yoda. We don't really know the extent of what Luke can do as far as the original trilogy goes. So we're not entirely sure. Luke probably even shouldn't even be considered a Jedi. Because he was barely trained. He was just force sensitive. But now, apparently he's the last Jedi. Right. When did he become a Jedi? It's, but I mean, I guess he's just kind of like, he's a Jedi by default because there's nobody else that's actually been trained. Did he get... Ghost train through the years. I mean, that's I, a possibility. I mean, we maybe. do know they come back. So Yoda. I mean, Yoda and, and Obi Wan and you know, well, Qui Gon has was Qui Gon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, all they probably things. all maybe contributed somewhat to it. I mean, we know that Luke has access to all of Obi Wan's archives that are in his house because that's how he learned how to build a lightsaber. You know, if you if you guys ever you know read the novel for uh, Shadows of the Empire, which I don't think is considered canon anymore. But if you go by that novel, he went to Obi-Wan's house later on uh, after the Empire Strikes Back and he gets his hand cut off and he loses, you know, the Anakin lightsaber. He loses his dad's lightsaber. He goes back to Obi-Wan's house and he gets information from, you know, Obi-Wan's archives about how do you do simple things like build a lightsaber. And that's when he creates his green saber and puts the crystal in it and and that kind of stuff. And that's why when he shows up in Return of the Jedi, the saber that he built is his lightsaber. It's not his dad's. 
you know, it's his, the green saber that yeah. Luke uses in Return of the Jedi. But there's probably a lot of things that, oh, because Obi-Wan had a lot of time on his hands. He had 20 years to kill. And so I would imagine in his boredom, he probably did record certain teachings about things that he learned. So Luke might have a ton of information, but he kind of keeps that private for some things because it's it's the teachings that he gave that was left for him from Obi-Wan and things that Obi-Wan learned from Yoda and in his master Qui-Gon, you know. But the other thing too is that like Leia is not Leia is force sensitive, but she doesn't have like force powers necessarily. Yeah, she sensed Han dying and Force Awakens, you could tell. Yeah, she also can telepathically communicate with Luke like Luke can with Vader. Because you know, he calls out to Leia and she's she's like, I you know, like Luke, like he's he's alive. I you know, she basically has Chewbacca and Lando go by and like pick him up from the underside of Cloud City. So Leia has force sensitivity, but she doesn't have like force powers. I wonder why she didn't use that in the Force Awakens to just locate Luke. I don't know. Maybe it's because the distance is too far. Maybe. Or maybe Luke's like shielding himself in the force, kinda like how Palpatine did. <laughs> who knows but um uh so continuing on it says uh uh this the, this one this is the reason that made me made me save this because remember this is a female or named celine doing this this thing it says now i may have used my looks to get some free drinks but hell i've never been that cruel speaking in the like you know where padme kind of dresses all sexy and then like kind of rebuffs Anakin, like you know we can't do this. I'm a senator. You're a I Jedi. can't look sexy and not fuck you <laughs> right now. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, it remember says, that, girls. This is a girl talking. This is a so female never talking. Never look sexy unless you're ready to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> you know, or if I mean, if you do, just get drinks and that's it. You know, uh, yeah, but it's this. Uh, <laughs> You're your own woman. Do what you want, but do not listen to the sleeve chick. Yeah, she's like, if you dress like that, you're cruel as fuck. If you don't fuck, right? Uh, but that's basically what she's saying. That's that's what she's saying. (laughs) She's not that cruel, uh, but she falls for him anyway because he talks about sand and kills an entire village and whines about Obi Wan pretty much nonstop. And he acts like a ten year old and he constantly stares at her creepily as hell. Know what, Mr. Lucas? This is the kind of guy women usually get restraining orders against. Meanwhile, Obi-Wan goes to a town that looks almost exactly like Cloud City, where they built by the same contractor. Now This is the this is the kind of chick that guys get restraining or girls get restraining orders against, but also she should have let him fuck because she dressed sexy. <laughs> right. According to Celine's logic here, yeah. But the thing is, everybody always wants to make fun about how Anakin does his little thing about, you know, it, Padme's talking about, you know, well, we used to, like, go to the beach and we would, you know, try to figure out what the names of the birds were. Like, it was, like, childish stuff. And Anakin's like, I hate sand. And, it, you know, it, it's coarse, it's rough, it gets everywhere. He grew up on Tatooine. But the thing is, he grew up on Tatooine. As a slave. And he's a slave. That's, that's my point. When he sees sand, it's almost like some kind of a PTSD trigger. You know, he's remembering like, slavery. He's remembering being a slave. It would be the same thing as if you were like a if you were a freed slave in like America, right? And you end up you you walk back onto a cotton plantation. You don't think if you were a freed you slave, you would be like, "Oh man, this is 
awesome. Look at all this fluffy, amazing cotton. No, you'd be rem remembering years you'd and years like, of abuse. You'd be like, I don't want to be here. This 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 brings back some bad memories. I hate yeah. cotton. Fuck this place. Right. I mean, that's the thing. It's like people always want to make fun of that, but if this was, if if Anakin was like, oh, like a like a war veteran talking about. I hate jungles because they, you know, they were injured in Vietnam or they saw their friends get killed in Vietnam. I mean, people would be like, oh, man, I totally feel for that guy because I understand, you know, yeah. his pain. Anakin says, I hate sand because it reminds him of his childhood, of being a slave and working in Wado's shop, refixing things, repairing things. And his mother was a slave. His mother was owned by Wado. You know, he's basically working for the guy that owns his mother. You don't think he's going to have some kind of post-traumatic stress disorder from all that? I mean, he's not the most well-adjusted person in the, in the first place because, you know, when he's freed from slavery, he's nine years old. The only thing he's ever known has been a slave. And so it, it, it's that kind of stuff. And it's like he's also not super well-adjusted either because has Anakin ever been to a prom? Did he ever go to high school? Did he ever have a girlfriend? No. He was just a slave that became a Jedi. Yeah, he became a Jedi. Now, he's a badass Jedi, but you get the inclination during this movie that that's not really what he wants. But he doesn't know how to express himself because the only females he's really been around has been other Jedis. But he doesn't have feelings for them like he does for Padme. So I think to a degree what happens is that uh, people always want to make fun of Anakin and they always want to say like, oh, he has these like cheesy lines. He doesn't understand how to express himself correctly because that's not really what his strength is. Yeah, his, he's not Casanova. Yeah, he's not like some kind of like, you know, like lady talker where he can just, you know, pick up women all smooth. And the other thing too, people always talk about the love story between Anakin and Padme that it's not realistic. Why would she care about Anakin? Because he's like this whiny, you know, he's this whiny person. If anything, Padme probably more than anybody understands him. What has Padme been her entire life? She's been a politician, right? She even, like, when even when they're, you know, they're basically, you know, kind of having their little picnic over by the waterfall, which, by the way, is gorgeous. Naboo is gorgeous. It's awesome. I would love to live on that planet because how awesome it looks. It kind of looks amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so when they're they're out in the they're having the little like picnic and kind of you know just sort of like chatting with each other and kind of catching up with each other, you know, because Anakin hasn't seen her in ten years and she hasn't seen him in ten years, so she has a lot of like you know stories about things that she's done from being a queen and all that kind of stuff. But she says that you know when she was twelve. There was this boy that she liked, and he was a few years older than her, and they were in this, like, uh, it was like this young politician program that was kind of meant to, like, you know, get kids into politics. Just so happened she ended up becoming queen not too long after that, and then her life changed. Padme did not have a normal childhood like Anakin did. Now, Anakin's was worse because he was a slave, and he was treated like one. Right. So he is not as well adjusted to like regular life like Padme is because she was a politician. But her entire life, for the most part, has been in some kind of a political service, right? In service of something. Yeah, which is pretty much like what Anakin is. Because Anakin, as soon as he was about you know like nine years old and he first meets up with Qui-Gon, uh, he loses Qui-Gon, who is kind of like a very quick father figure for him. He ends up getting put with Obi-Wan and then boom, from age nine up until, you know, this movie where he's about 19, 20 years old, 
He's been training to be a Jedi. He's never had his own life. Padme has never really had her own life because yeah. she's been she was a queen for most of that time, running a planet. And then she ends up becoming a senator because, you know, she just felt like, well, this is what I am. I'm a politician, so I'm going to do this. The only person that really understands what Anakin's going through is Padme. So while he might have maybe lines that you understand why he says certain things to her, he doesn't understand how to express himself. But she understands what he's trying to say is that he, he doesn't like dealing with Obi-Wan. He, he doesn't like the fact that he's stuck in the dogma of the Jedi. And she understands because she's like, look, I, you know, I've been a politician my whole life. I understand you having to do your obligations first before you can do your own thing. Right. You know. And I think when you when you look at like the, like this comment where it says like uh, Obi Wan goes to a town that looks almost exactly like Cloud City, I mean the only thing that's that's like maybe the architecture looks a little bit similar, but I mean Camino's a water planet, you know, and the the place that they go to in Empire Strikes Back is basically just like a it's a giant gas planet. Right. It's Tabana gas. It's the that's the where they, because you know for if, to be super nerdy, this is where, uh, the the gas that make that they use for hyperdrive engines is basically farmed at, you know. So it's very that planet is very very important. Bespin's very important to, basically everything in the universe. So you know, but you look at this and it's like I don't immediately think of like oh hey this looks just like Cloud City. Because I'm like, maybe the architecture looks a little bit similar, but it's a water planet. So you're just, you're really just nitpicking the shit out of that right there. That, on that, that. is nitpicking. That is very much nitpicking. Uh, but then it gets to this and it says, uh, they end up on some bug planet. So they don't even remember that it's Geonosis. Uh, useless robots and, uh, or they, yeah, bug planet where they fight bugs, useless robots, and Count Dooku. This is probably meant to be a big, spectacular Coliseum-like arena scene, but it's so cluttered you can't even see what goes on in it. There's so many lightsabers in it, though. Well, Jango gets his head chopped off by Mace Windu. Dooku has to run like a bitch because he's getting his ass whooped by Yoda. Right. A lot of stuff happens. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there. Uh, oh, and they also says at the end here, it says, uh, there's so many lightsabers in it, though, that had it been darker, I would have guessed it's, it's a rave party. <laughs> right, yeah, that's because that's how rave parties work. Yeah. Lightsabers. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you can really have a, a rave with lightsabers. It'd be too many limbs falling off and heads falling off. Or like Django getting his head cut off. Glorious. With quickness, too. His son's like, no, daddy. Yeah. But... You know, and that's the thing. Shouldn't have tried to get in a fight with Mace Windu. Right. Idiot. <laughs> yeah. See, the reason, because, you know, some of you would probably say, like, well, you know, how is it Mace Windu can just, like, destroy this dude? And Obi-Wan gets in, like, a ten-minute fight with him, you know, with, like, grappling hooks and all this kind of stuff and jetpacks and missiles. Well, the difference is uh, fucking Jango got in a fight with Mace in an open arena. Yeah. He had nowhere to run. But what did Yoda tell Obi-Wan? Bring this person back to us because we want to question yeah, Obi him. Obi-Wan wasn't trying to kill him. He wasn't trying to kill Jango. He just wanted to subdue him so he could arrest him and then bring him in so that the Jedi can question him about, like, his involvement with this, these clones and, you know, who basically who hired him. 
you know, which is essentially Dooku. He's, Dooku's behind all of this stuff. Yeah, uh, I mean, Obi-Wan's just trying to get answers, and Mace was just like, I'm killing this fucker. Right? <laughs> I mean, because you know, he basically just starts firing shots at Mace Windu, and Mace is just like, deflect, deflect. Oh, head gone. Okay. Samuel L. Um, Jackson said he had bad motherfucker engraved on his lightsaber. Oh, he did? <laughs> just like his... His wallet in Pulp Fiction. Yep. I don't doubt it. And also the reason that he has a purple lightsaber is because he basically told George, like, you know, George is like, well, you know, bad guys have red lightsabers and good guys use blue and green. He was like, there's no purple lightsabers in the galaxy. And he was like, well, I mean, you know, not normally. He was like, I want a purple blade. And he was like, okay. (laughs) It's like, whatever. So basically what they did later, later on, because he just wanted to have a purple lightsaber because he thought it would look cool. But basically what they did is that because Mace's fighting style is, you know, it uses some of the dark side and the light side at the same time, that it's kind of half red and half blue, so it would make a purple saber. Because he's kind of in between the dark and the light because of his fighting style is very aggressive. It's basically a great great Jedi, right? Yeah, it should be a gray blade instead of a purple blade. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because we've already seen purple you know, we've already seen purple blades. Obi Wan should be fucking purple too, then, right? Yeah, I mean, to a degree, yeah. <laughs> but you know, that's whatever. But people are so obsessed with gray jedis. Gray jedis are old. We already talked about this. Yeah, they they've been around. This isn't a new thing, right? Uh, and then it says uh, the idiotic things re- uh, relive each other in this movie, and so do the game hype sequences. There are high-speed chases that are ironically at least 20 minutes too long. Then some crap in a factory that reminds me of uh, 1980s platform games. And there are lightsabers everywhere all the time. I'm willing to bet they use them as reading lamps, too. I won't count, but the lightsaber shots probably make up more than half of the movie. Apparently, people hardly even get dressed without using a lightsaber. In the original trilogy, this was the coolest weapon ever. In this movie, it's so overused as about as exciting as a flashlight. Did he say he won't count or he can't count? Uh, <laughs> it says I won't count. Oh, okay. But uh, but you know, and remember, this is this is a woman doing this too. So I you keep know, forgetting. Yeah, because usually this sounds like a dude's hate comment. Usually women aren't this vicious, but. Like, she actually sat down and was like, I'm really going to tear into Attack of the Clones. She's savage as fuck. Right, yeah. Randy savage as fuck. Um, but, uh, uh, and this is going to invoke a name that we're, we're familiar with people invoking, right? Uh, Jar Jar. Uh, no, no. Oh. <laughs> no, another one. Uh, the, the fact is, is that this is that what's spat out of the, with the computer when George Lucas can bring to the screen everything he can imagine makes me start wondering exactly how awful a filmmaker he really is. After all, it's now more than clear that everything amazing about the original trilogy must have been thanks to other people. In fact, the only other name that comes to mind when watching crap of this magnitude is Uwe Boll. I could have said Ed Wood, but I won't, because while Ed Wood was god-awful at nearly everything cinematic, at least he had heart and cared about his stories. (laughs) This bitch just... Compare George Lucas to Uwe Boll. Uwe Boll. Uh, no. <laughs> Uwe Boll makes movies as a tax write-off. He doesn't make movies because he actually cares about them. Come any, on. Any respectable site would have deleted this post immediately. They're like, come on, you just called George Lucas Uwe Boll? You think Uwe Boll could create a universe like this? Right. That's lasted for generations? What have you ever done? Make a shitty comment section? 
Come on. But the thing is, is like Juve Bull, you know, he always takes things from like video games because they're easy to get the license to. They are. They're like, hey, I want to make a movie about your video game. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. We don't care. Yeah. And then he goes and makes the movie and then just, you know, it's basically just, it's like a tax dodge. wonder why nobody's trying to make a movie off Grand Theft Auto. God, I don't know. Probably because... Mass murder, a bunch of crime. <laughs> It'd be cool to watch a movie about a guy that just does so much crime. Like, the cops are chasing him, and then eventually the military, and then he gets shot dead in the street. That'd be an awesome movie. <laughs> just go from all this really, really crime, just violent crime. Yeah. And then just get Jason Statham to do it, because why not? Yeah, I mean, he could basically do anything. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> But hey, <laughs> hey, I got I got something for you. Okay. Uh, what do you call a potato that has turned to the dark side? <laughs> I don't know. Vader tots. Vader tots. Oh, I knew this was gonna be bad when you started. <laughs> I knew it. I knew this was gonna be cheesy. <laughs> oh God. Um. So. And why is a Jedi Knight never lonely? Because the force is always with him. <laughs> I knew it was going to be some force related. <laughs> oh, man. I wonder, are the, are these like the kind of jokes that like Uncle Owen would have? Like, are these bad uncle jokes? Yeah, yeah, they <laughs> are. They're bad uncle. Yeah, these are Owen jokes. How do Ewoks communicate over a long distance? Uh, I don't know. With Ewokie talkies. <laughs> Uh, okay, so <laughs> that, that's enough. <laughs> uh, he can keep going, people. Believe me, <laughs> that's enough. He's got enough bad Uncle Owen jokes to keep going for probably another hour at least. Uh, uh, you know, just how to ease the mood of all this hate, right? Yeah, well, that's you know, that's partially why we're here is to uh, is to entertain and to try and, and figure out why people hate these movies like they do or bands in the case of ICP you know just whatever topic it is our video games our video games yeah uh so this next comment uh and there's no name this is just like initials uh but it's MHY and this is uh from May of 2002 so this is like basically when the movie came out you know yeah it came out in like May of May 2002 of <laughs> yeah so this says this person's uh, like I fucking hate this movie. Right, and so this person says episode two, Attack of the Cartoons. <laughs> Attack of the Cartoons. Here we That's go with the fun. cartoon stuff yeah, again. I knew it was. Uh, it, it took a while for me to figure out what really turned me off about the last two Star Wars episodes. Too much Jar Jar Binks. He was in it. <laughs> sure, there are obvious things like bad acting and go nowhere scripts, as well as uninspired and unimaginative dialogue. But there was something else. Then it hit me. It was the cartoons. Call them CGI, call them what you will. They're cartoons in every sense of the word. There is hardly a scene in the last two Star Wars episodes without some kind of corny, cartoonish, Disney-esque figure dancing about in some exaggerated way. What's wrong with cartoons on the screen? People don't take them seriously, and when you can't take what's happening on the screen seriously, it becomes hard to suspend your disbelief. Well, what about who framed Roger Rabbit? Roger Rabbit is a cartoon in that movie. How much do people love Who Framed Roger Rabbit? People love the show of that it. movie. That's considered it. like one of the classics of like, you know, uh, like those kind of like family, you know, movies. Well, stuff like Space Jam, 
where it's like like real people with cartoons. People love the shit out of Space Jam. I love Space Jam because I love Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan's awesome. Michael Jordan's the shit, you know? And it's also got, like, Bill Murray in that movie and, like, Charles Barkley. Like, it's awesome. But then you look at something like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and it's got literally got a cartoon world in it, and people love it. But this, this is building a computer instead of being hand-drawn, and people shit on this movie. Look and at uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. It's a little, little raccoon dude, and then uh, a giant tree, tree guy. And shit, no one says anything about that. Yeah, people have a tendency to... That's not real. None of it's real. Yeah. And, and George Lucas, if you ever listen to the, the commentary track, because I'm a commentary nerd, if you listen to the commentary track on Return of the Jedi, he he makes a, a comment where he says people always want to say that, you know, the CG makes things not look real. And he was like, look at Jabba the Hutt. He was like, he's a giant foam and like... Like rubber monster, he was like none of the things in Jabba's palace are real. None of the stuff in Mos Eisley is real. Those characters are just made up. You know, when you see Salacious Crumb and he's like, you know, laughing at the characters and stuff, that's a puppet. Yoda is a puppet. You know, so what's the difference between a puppet that is built out of like you know like rubber and like plastic and like different things, and then Yoda built in the computer? It's still a character. It doesn't matter if it's made practically in real life or it's made in the computer. Jar Jar would be exactly the same way if he was like a foam, like rubber suit with a guy in it as opposed to the CG. It's exactly yeah. the Yoda same Yoda ain't real. Yeah. And guess what? Pods aren't real. These spaceships aren't real. You know, I mean, you can talk about like, well, it looks better if it's, you know, built as models. Yeah, but back when George Lucas made the original Star Wars, he had to build shit as models because they didn't have the computer technology then. Like, when you see the Death Star, you know, the trench run, basically the Death Star is just, like, cannibalized from old battleship kits. They took parts from, like, old, like, World War II battleships and just glued shit until it looked like it made sense. Right. But how is it any different from building the Death Star completely digital in a computer? It's all fake. Whether you make it, like, for real or you make it in the computer, it's the same thing. But people always want to hate on CGI. Like, people hated the CGI in Ultraviolet, right? Like, when we did the Ultraviolet episode, everybody was it's like... because they didn't understand it. They didn't understand that it was supposed to look like a comic book. And this, this was what the technology could do in 2002. So they did it. Yeah, but what's the difference between somebody like Jar Jar and Groot? People just like Groot more? Groot only says, I am Groot, or we are Groot, and it's everything. Vin Diesel. It's Vin Diesel. But, like... Kinda. But, <laughs> but Groot is entirely CG. Rocket Raccoon is entirely CG. Well, see, Groot is kind of Vin Diesel, but it's more Sean Gunn and doing all the motion capture so literally what vin diesel does for that movie is say ah yeah Groot." he's like all right i'm out thanks for the paycheck yeah um it, <laughs> uh but you know continuing on this and uh oh it actually does mention who framed roger rabbit uh it says uh the first three movies relied on human actors and aliens were humans in alien costumes not computer graphics Conversations between human characters and computer-generated cartoons don't work and come off looking quite silly. I think a few years back, uh, in a few years, we'll look back on the infancy of this media with a touch of disdain. Episode one and two, and probably three, will not have the timeless Already appeal hating on three. Of, of four, five, and six because of it. 
When I go to see a Star Wars movie, I expect to see a I expect to see a Star Wars movie, not Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Sorry, Roger, no disrespect. Uh, so right there, like, and I I guess maybe subconsciously I was tying this dude Framed Roger Rabbit, but the thing is, is that if right there they're saying like, look, you know, no disrespect to Who Framed Roger Rabbit because I love that movie. And it's like, but you were literally shitting on this movie, saying that like all this stuff, like Dexter Jester and all these characters, Watto, they just look like cartoons. It doesn't make sense that they would interact with real people. And then guess what happens? You have exactly the same kind of thing that happens in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Real people dealing with cartoons, you know? It's just, I, I don't know. I, I think sometimes uh, people have this, like, a tendency to really harp on that way too much and if you if you look at pretty much any movie nowadays you have basically a situation where every movie to a degree has some kind of computer generated stuff in it even going back to like the guardians of the galaxy analogy you know most of the stuff in guardians of the galaxy has some kind of cg in it somewhere but, you know, even things like, you know, like, uh, just using other superhero stuff like the uh, Batman versus Superman, you know, there's CG stuff in that movie. I mean, you can't show uh, Abomination without making him CG. But people don't really say anything about the CG in that. But then when they go back to Attack of the Clones, they get aggravated ab about, you know, like Dexter Jetster, and they get aggravated about, like, you know, the droids being CG. Yoda's CG and they don't like it. There's no way in hell you're going to be able to show Yoda doing the stuff that he does in that movie when he fights Dooku if it's just completely uh, a puppet. Because when Frank Oz played Yoda, he had to have a platform and he had to, you know, he had to make him talk like he was, you know, or he had to make him move as though he was moving in reality, but in in reality, what's actually going on is Frank Oz is, you know, he has like a very high stage and he has his hand up and he's like making Yoda move and talk and do things. But you cannot make Yoda do the fight with Dooku if he's a, a puppet. He has to be CG to make that work. And literally the only reason that Yoda didn't have a lightsaber in the uh, original Star Wars is because they couldn't figure out how to uh, have his hand grip a saber. Right. That's why the story ended up being he, he loses his lightsaber against the fight with Palpatine or, you know, the Emperor or whatever. But originally, the the whole reason that he didn't have a saber was because they couldn't figure out how to make his hands grip it. Yeah. Without making it look ridiculous. And, so. and Frank Oz is a brilliant puppeteer because, I mean, he's worked on Sesame Street forever and... You know, he did stuff with the Muppets, and you know he probably was probably the greatest puppeteer of all time. Probably, I, I mean, even more so than Jim Henson himself. I mean, Frank Oz was the best puppeteer that they had available, and if you can't figure out how to do that with possibly the best puppeteer you've ever had in show business, then I, I don't know how stories have to be changed. Yeah, then you have to figure out something about like, well, you know, because people complain about like. How is it that Yoda hobbles around with like a staff, like a walking stick, and yet when he encounters Dooku, he can just throw it to the ground and he can flip like 17 times in the air? It's because he doesn't use the Force constantly. Um, he knows He's one of the most powerful people in the Force. 
uh, normally whenever he's meditating and doing all this stuff, selfless things that Jedi's are supposed to do, um, he's not using the Force. Whenever he fights, he is using the Force. Yeah. So all the flipping that you see him do, he's he's using the Force. Yeah. He's old. He's like 900 years old or something like that. Right. <laughs> yeah, and he's... Um... Because uh, at the end of... And if you're nitpicking Yoda's walk and compared to his fight, then just don't watch Star Wars. Watch some stupid shit that... I don't know. I mean, just don't watch any <laughs> movies. Because I, I can't even think of anything that you could watch that you'd be happy with. Watch no movies. Live in a fucking cave. And just <laughs> just hate the world. <laughs> hate the world. Because, because that's what you want to do. Remember how many people hated uh, the, the the walk of Scarlett Johansson? You know, like when we were doing the Ghost in the Shell episode. Yeah. We're, and people the, were walk like... The, walk the ape apes, of the monkey apes, or Apes the walk shit. of a monkey. Apes the walk of a monkey. That was the most <laughs> ridiculous was, shit like if, I've ever heard. Of all the things to nitpick, you're going to nitpick how Scarlett Johansson walks in the movie? Like, is it that distracting? By the way, she walked exactly like Major walks in the entire fucking anime. Yeah, exactly. And and, and it, if anybody likes the clone, uh, the Attack of the Clones, it should be people that like anime. Yeah, because it's got kind of an anime-style approach to some of this stuff, you know? I mean, even just from, like, you know, the battle sequences and stuff at the end when they're on Geonosis, it's, yeah. But that's the thing is, you know, like, Lucas does borrow from a lot of different genres because he takes a little bit from Western, he takes a little bit from, like, you know, like, like Japanese stories and stuff, like, you know, anime-type things. Um, so he's got a lot of different, like, influences that he pulls from and, you know, old science fiction serials. I mean, that's where the titles come from. You know, The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith. Those are basically titles from those old serials. You know, like like Ben Burt said that like when, you know, Lucas would tell him the titles, he was like, Oh, it's kinda like Fate Takes the Wheel and you know, like those kind of like they're yeah, it's cool. They're pulpy sounding names because they're you know, they, they hearken back to an older time. That's the thing I think people forget about this is that these movies aren't necessarily made to be contemporary and you know, if you want to you know, compare something like this to like Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians of the Galaxy is the way that it is because of stuff like Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, the Star Wars basically is supposed to be Han Solo. Yeah, um, he's pretty much an exact clone of it. But, right, I mean, he, he he's awesome. But who's more handsome? Who's more beautiful? Chris Pratt or Harrison Ford? This is a tough one. <laughs> this is a tough one, but I gotta go Pratt. Chris Pratt. Okay. Gotta go Pratt. It's 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 the Lost World ads. Now don't ask it? me about Zoe Saldana and Carrie Fisher because that's, that's I easy. I don't even think that's I can. Easy. <laughs> that's easy to me. Right. So um, Zoe all day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I mean you know like let's not get it twisted. Back in the day, Carrie Fisher was she was a fox. Yeah, you're she amazing, was. Carrie. Yeah. Zoe Saldana. Rest in peace, Carrie. Rest in peace. We love you. We love you. But Zoe Saldana, man, like that's that's basically my waifu. She just doesn't know. <laughs> and, and, what, what I and the thing with Carrie is, you know, I know that she had some some type of sex appeal with a lot of people, but I never felt that way about Princess Leia. I always felt that she was too like 
uh, powerful to be a sex appeal. Like, you know, appeal. She should she should be something like larger. Like you're talking about like a princess. Yeah, I you guess know, because of like her that. political station, it's kind of like. And uh, she always seemed like on screen stronger than Luke and stuff to me. Like, you know, on the screen, I was like, you know, because Luke was just kind of like, what am I doing? What, what, what do I do from here? And she knew exactly what she needed to do. And she, needed, she knew exactly who she was. So, <laughs> I don't know. that The only time that you actually see her, like, really sexy whenever she's, like, a slave to Java. And that just wasn't, like, yeah. something that... But she doesn't always, she doesn't dress sexy necessarily. No, she was just so, kind of like a slave and then she was like made to do that. Yeah. But the, the, I think the other thing too is that like she was raised by Bail Organa and I think Jimmy Smith, Jimmy Smith, what's up? <laughs> we always name drop Jimmy Smith. <laughs> Jimmy Smith. <laughs> There's some people that didn't like Jimmy Smith in these movies and I'm like, how could you hate Bail Organa? He's like awesome. How can you hate Jimmy Princess Smith? Princess Leia's dad. Get a fucking lie. His is up that that's I mean it's it's her adopted dad but still like it's her dad yeah it's her dad he fucking raised he her raised Leia since she was a baby so that's basically to her Bail Organa's her dad now Vader might be her or Anakin is her biological dad but you know Jimmy Smiths in the Revenge of the Sith or whatever whenever uh the clones are like turning on everybody and then they start killing the Jedis and stuff and there's like it's time for you to leave and he's like and so it is yeah and then shit goes down that badass little kid Jedi comes out and fucks some of those uh, clone clones, troopers <laughs> clones yeah. up and then he which is actually has Lucas's son isn't it yeah isn't that yeah. Uh, and Jet got, yeah and then he has to bail and I was like that. that's an awesome he has to he has to bail Organa Organa oh that's an Uncle Owen joke yeah Uncle Owen told us this joke right yeah um <laughs> this one this one might make you rage by what you hear on this this is i saved this one specifically for steve he's gonna go super saiyan like four like super saiyan god after he hears this yeah. okay so this is uh this is they also gave this a one out of ten but this is uh, Mike Mandel, and this is from June of 2002. Mandel's son. <laughs> uh, it says, note to George Lucas, hire some actors. <laughs> so the comment says, painful to watch, a truly dreadful film. A dr I've directed a better movie than this already, George. I did this when I was in college, and it was better than this crap. <laughs> um, a trillion dollars in special effects cannot compensate for two-dimensional wooden characters and stilted dialogue. Whenever Keanu Reeves finally dies, Hayden Christensen will be the worst actor in the universe. Oh, fuck this guy. Oh, yes. That's exactly why I saved this, Steve. I saved this comment for you. Keanu Reeves. Uh, yeah. Samuel L. Jackson. Fuck this guy. This guy is Satan. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson repeated the role he's used to great success in every film he's ever been in. He takes himself far too now seriously. Now attacking Samuel Jackson, yeah. Keanu Reeves, and Samuel Jackson. Yeah, and why haven't these brilliant Jedi Knights ever figured out that if they just put wrist straps on their lightsabers, they won't drop them out of reach every fifteen seconds? Yeah, that's <laughs> what they need. They, yeah, this fucking Wii they remote. They need. They, they need. They need the Wii <laughs> remote strap. <laughs> Oh god, I broke my TV. You know, oh god, I lost my lightsaber. Because people will be like, I'm ready to buy one of those sabers as a toy with that fucking Wii remote strap on the fucking wrist. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine get real guys. Imagine Jedi's before they get into a fight, they gotta put the strap on their wrist. It's like, no, come on, man. Um This guy is like 
fucking choking himself on jacking his dick and writing this review. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about Samuel L. David Jackson. David Carradine over here. <laughs> uh, says yes the fight scenes and graphics were outstanding unfortunately that's not enough to make a great film sorry George but Elian Gonzalez could have done a better job what the, the fuck mon- the money would have been better spent uh, is this David Duke <laughs> let me finish the money would have uh, been better spent renting the space shuttle and launching Hayden Christensen into a distant galaxy like there's just so much hate in that one paragraph I had to save this one as an extra one because when I saw this and I saw how much they hated Keanu Reeves, I was like, Steve is going to react to this. I've got to save this one. Yeah, fuck that shit. Yeah. Keanu Reeves is awesome. Yeah, if you if you don't... I mean, if you don't like the man's acting, that's one thing. But to say that, yeah, when he dies, Hayden Christensen's going to be the worst actor in the world. Like, those are your two worst actors in the world? Hayden really? Christensen and Keanu Reeves. Have you ever seen 47 Ronin? If you don't fucking cry or near crying at the end of 47 Ronin, you're dead inside. Like, that yeah. movie is a fucking great movie. And people just shit on it because they thought it was racist. No, watch the movie. It's brilliant. He's brilliant in John Wick. He was never supposed to be Asian in this. But people didn't give that movie a chance because they thought that it was racist somehow without this watching it. This supposed to be like The Last Samurai, right? No, it has no, it's nothing not. to do like that. It's nothing about it. But if they would have actually given it a chance and watched the movie, because we watched it, because I had never seen it really, and you're like, no, you gotta watch 47 Ronin. Yeah. Keanu's badass in this movie. And I got a little misty-eyed at the end of that movie because... He does such a good job of playing that character that you really feel for that character. And he's watch he's, the movie. Yeah, watch Forty Seven Ronin. That's if you don't get anything else out of this particular episode is watch Forty Seven Ronin and go to it with an open mind. Don't go to it with a bias, because yeah. if you do, you're probably not going to watch a lot of Keanu stuff. People think that he's you know bad in the Matrix, and you know that's I, eventually I want to get to Matrix Two and Three. We're going to do that at some point. Hopefully soon. But my thing is, is that if you want to, you know, start saying like, well, you know, Keanu's a terrible actor. Hayden Christensen's a terrible actor. It, Hayden Christensen did the acting that he felt was appropriate for Anakin. And George felt it was appropriate for Anakin. Because this guy, th- this character, eventually has to become Darth Vader. He is going to be fucked up because he's had he's a... He's not really supposed to be super likable. He's not the guy that you're supposed to vote in high school, best in class or anything right. like that. He's supposed to be emotionally twisted. And some of the other guys, let's just put this into perspective. Uh, some of the other guys that auditioned for uh, Anakin Skywalker were people like Ryan Philippine. Oh, okay, yeah. Um... Seems like he'd fit a little he bit. He would have the look. He'd have the look. I think maybe he would get a little too emotional, my opinion. Uh, Paul Walker. Oh, that would have been interesting. Which Paul would Walker. have been kind of his performance. Would have, you know, people say something would have been kind of uh, reminiscent of old school Keanu Reeves. Right. Because uh, that's one of Paul Walker, rest in peace, uh, his uh, yeah, inspirations. Yeah, rest in peace, Paul. Uh, as an actor with Keanu, uh, Colin Hanks, Colin Hanks, been okay. very interesting. Uh, Christian Bell. I can't just to stop you for a second. I, I, if Colin Hanks had been Anakin, 
I I probably I maybe would not have liked it as much because I to me he doesn't feel like Anakin Skywalker. Uh, to K- me. Colin Hanks. Can he's do an amazing some actor. Like not, his to, dad not to shit on Colin Hanks. He's amazing. Yeah. But I just don't see him as Anakin playing Colin, this role. Colin Hanks isn't an action guy. Yeah, um, I, this isn't really his wheelhouse. You know. Christian Bell auditioned. Uh, Heath Ledger auditioned. And uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was considered, but he eventually turned it down. Yeah. Uh, even though he did audition, but then turned it down uh, because of other reasons. So Chris, uh, Christian Bale was interesting. Christian Bale, yeah, because he was, you know, kind of around the age of what you'd want him in that. And then Heath Ledger, which... Uh, that was would, When did 10 Things I Hate About You come out? Probably around the same. Right time. around this time, see that um, would have been interesting. See, and we we both love Heath Ledger. Rest in peace, Heath. Uh, we both love Heath Ledger, and I'm not gonna say that like I thought that he was a brilliant idea to be the Joker because I was skeptical about it. Then no, watch I, it. I think anybody that says that they thought Heath Ledger was gonna be good as Joker, I I say instantly they are. Fucking liars. Liars, yeah. Because whenever that happened, people, you know, and people compare that to like the Ben Affleck casting and then stuff like that. They're like, well, people hit it, you know, Heath Ledger like really bad and he ended up being good. It's not always the case though. Yeah. It's like, what did you see Heath Ledger in before he did the joke? You seen him in, you know, Brokeback Mountain and. Uh, Which everybody things, makes fun of. Ten things I hate about you. Uh, Night's Tale. Uh, Night's Tale and stuff like that. Which, a couple of those movies I like. Uh, We're not fans of Brokeback Mountain. Never but seen it. Not our kind of movie. Um, <laughs> I think I've seen like maybe 15 minutes of that movie. And I'm like, eh, it's not really for me. I just tuned it off. Yeah. And it's not nothing against like Jake Gyllenhaal or Heath Ledger. It's probably more as, more as against Ang Lee. You're right. <laughs> just not Ang Lee being is a very good director. I, I mean, mean we we're beyond the hate here, but let's let's be honest. He he's not that great. He killed it in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, though. Yeah, well, to me that's like my favorite Ang Lee movie. It's but easy it's, to kill it when you have Chow Yun Fat and Michelle Yeoh and <laughs> Zhang Ziyi and yeah. <laughs> it's but, hard for me to give him too much credit for that. Whenever he was just like, let me take like the greatest. You know, people of this culture, and then put them all in one movie. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, you know, you, you get Chow Yun Fat and Michelle Yeoh. You don't have a whole lot of work to do. You just have to make sure you don't fuck it up. <laughs> right. But uh, uh, so the next one is by uh, the the Crow six six six. So okay, we got somebody here who's uh, possibly evil. Might be a Sitting Satanist. Sitting on the side of Satan. Right. Yeah. <laughs> If you're five five five, then I'm six six six. What's it like to be a heretic? Anyway, oh, if we ever find hate for Slipknot, that's an episode. Well, I'm um, pretty sure there's hate for Slipknot. Yeah. Uh, and so this one says uh, an insult to the great original Star Wars trilogy. Okay, so people always compare these, like the prequel movies in general, to the original trilogy. They're two totally different trilogies. The only things that tie them together are the characters. And plot lines that carry themselves through those movies. But just like the newer trilogy with like Force Awakens and Last Jedi. It's a different type of trilogy. But I don't go into these thinking, oh, I want the Force Awakens to look just like A New Hope. 
sad thing is that's kind of what they did anyway. But I don't want to go into it thinking that I want this to look like something I've seen before. Yeah, it's not like I'm like... And then you also don't want to be like, well, Force Awakens compared to this Star Wars movie isn't that great. You, you can't look at any movie that way. You have to look at it as its own movie at all times. Yeah. You have to look at everything as, it, as if it exists in a vacuum. You know, if you start comparing these movies to other movies, there's... You're you know, never going to be satisfied. You're never going to be satisfied. It's like, like, well, the second Matrix wasn't as good as the first one, but was it a good... How could it live up to the what happened in the first one? But was it a good standalone movie that you enjoyed by itself? Oh, well, the first one... Okay, never mind. You don't want to give it a chance if you if that's your excuse yeah. to keep fighting. And it's like, well, this one was... No, no, no. Was it a good... Did you enjoy that movie? Well, I, I did, but it didn't... Seem like this okay. Never mind. I didn't like you're, where you're the done. story went. You're done. You you're, you don't want to. You don't want to like it. Yeah, because you you've already came to it with some sort of a bias against it, and that's kind of the thing that happens with some of these. You know, where people are just you know hating on Attack of the Clones because they're comparing it to Episode One, but then they're also comparing it to Four, Five, and Six, and it's like it's a different kind of trilogy. It's got different stuff in it. You have way more environments that you have to be able to show. And for, especially for the people that trash on the CG, there is no way that you could have made the prequel movies in 1977. There's no way. George had nowhere near the budget for that. And people always want to say, like, well, you know, these, these don't have as much heart or as much soul as the original Star Wars movies. Make no mistake, if George Lucas had the technology and the money that he had in 99, 2002, 2005, when he made these prequels that he had in 1977, it would have looked exactly the same. Yeah. He just didn't have the technology then, you know, because he was trying to build, you know, an entire production company out of Lucasfilm because the only thing he really had worked on was, uh, well, his student, well, he did like, you know, his student film, THX 1138, which was uh, American Zoetrope. And then he went to, uh, to do American Graffiti, and he did the American Graffiti thing, and then basically went straight into Star Wars. But he had to build Industrial Light and Magic from scratch, you know? So I think that there's a lot of times when people start comparing these these uh, trilogy movies to other movies, it, uh, it, it what happens is, is that you have this sense that they all need to be the same, and sometimes people hate stuff that's different as opposed to something that's new. I want to see stuff that's original. I don't want to see the rehash of the same stuff that I've seen before. That's one of the problems that Force Awakens has. And we don't hate Force Awakens. We, we like Force Awakens, but we do have some nitpicks about that movie because it borrows sometimes too much from A New Hope. I mean, even Star Killer Base is basically another Death Star. You can't look at that and think that that's not another Death Star. Does that make me hate it? No, it doesn't make me hate it, but it no, does make me all. feel like J.J. Abrams was a little bit lazy and he went to the familiar because it was safe. But these movies, they don't have to be safe. Do crazy stuff. Explore with it a bit. It's an it's a Throw large some new universe. characters in it. Make the good guy the bad guy, and the bad guy the good guy, and flip the world upside down and cause chaos. Yeah, that's what Star Wars is really supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about mystery and the unknown stuff like that. That's the yeah. same thing as Star Trek. What it's supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about 
exploring the unknown and uh, opening your mind to things. So, you know, Star Trek and stuff like that opened up to, you know, uh, all kinds of things. Or racism and all, all these things. They, they attacked these things and uh, they were hoping for a better future. And Star yeah. Wars is supposed to be different. Yeah. It's supposed to be something that's a journey. Yeah. And it, it very much borrows from like the, the mythological motifs of the hero's journey, which is basically, you know, if you if you want to compare this kind of stuff to like the original trilogy, right? Luke is the farm boy that has dreams of becoming a hero. That's what Luke wants to be. He doesn't want to be a farm boy. And then you have Obi-Wan, who's like the wise old wizard that's like his mentor, you know. And then you have uh, you have a princess, you have uh, a pirate, which is basically Han Solo, you know, like a scoundrel, you know. And then you have uh, Yoda in like Empire Strikes Back. He's the weird creature you meet on the side of the road. But when he starts to show, you know, Yoda that he's willing to deal with him, then Yoda reveals who he truly is. Because he's testing him, you know, does he have the patience to deal with somebody like me or is he just going to brush me off as some little weird creature in the swamp? Right. You know, but that's, but George Lucas, if you know anything about Lucas when he writes these stories, George Lucas is probably the biggest fan of Joseph Campbell that Joseph Campbell ever met. Because he, you know, he always did like, you know, the man with a thousand faces. It's like the idea that like heroes in different cultures seem similar because it's the hero's journey it's these motifs that carry through generations you know that's how the romans can have gods similar similar to the greeks because they you know and the stories that they have they can be similar because these things carry through generations they carry through different countries and that kind of thing societies and george was basically trying to make a fairy tale basically that follows these motifs just so happens that it takes place in space because he likes the idea of science fiction lasers spaceships you know uh robots like so that gives him his like play his sandbox to play in and then he builds the star wars stories from there using the fairy tales and the motifs you know people that complain about anakin and padme's relationship when you look at something like Beauty and the Beast, you know, is it like dramatically different from like Anakin and Padme? I mean, do you have a lot of time to spend in like one movie in Beauty and the Beast to show why Belle gives a shit about this dude who's a monster? You don't have no. as much time in that as like you have in Attack of the Clones, but people trash on this movie because they're like the it's sped up too much. Any movie that has a love story is sped up. <laughs> You don't have several years worth of storytelling to tell a love story. They've got to get on it and show Anakin and Padme connecting so that when you get to episode three, you can show how it all falls apart. Yeah, I mean, it, and it falls apart beautifully. It's like a, it's like a great tragedy. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it really is like a play. I mean, that's, he kind of wrote it kind of like that. I mean, it's, it's pretty pretty damn good it's got some shakespearean elements to it, especially revenge of the sith it's got so much shakespearean drama and tragedy in it that it makes me feel like that was his like homage to shakespeare you know revenge of the sith but before we get to revenge of the sith uh so in here it says uh this is what their comment is it says uh the original star wars trilogy 
uh, were not labeled. Like, uh, that's just kind of bad. Uh, original Star we're Wars trilogy. Labeled. We're not labeled. <laughs> I think sometimes when people type, they have they have drunk typing, you know, because it just feels like you know they probably are like several vodkas in before they type these. Let's and it hope just, they are. Let's yeah, just... let's hope it's not the education system failing. But uh, it says we're not labeled as the greatest science or the greatest films ever made because of lightsabers or stormtroopers or groundbreaking motions, motion capture special effects, but because of the human side, the quality of the acting from Sir Alec Guinness, the chemistry between Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. The excellent dialogue that made every line a memorable quote, and uh, and the context of faith and religion and what made them so, uh, or what made them so over, over everlasting. In this film, Ewan McGregor's acting is surprisingly wooden for such a talented actor. Hayden Christensen has less chemistry with Natalie Portman than a twelve-year-old student's test tube. The dialogue the whole reason is. Bo- he was casted. <laughs> right. The whole di- uh, Let's see. The dialogue is boring. The lines are cheesy and cliched. Uh, there does not seem to be any actual emphasis on plot. It's uh, just being—it's just an ex- excuse to glue one overlong action set piece over or you know, set piece to another. So the intrigue disappears fast, and the themes and context are given a backseat to an admittedly impre- impressive CGI. It seems that George Lucas thought that what made a good film was as much soulless eye candy as possible. Right, that's what he thought. He's like, I'm going to take my greatest creation. Put a bunch of soulless eye candy, no story. Make it look pretty with no substance. And, and then uh, film it because I give no fucks about this movie. Yeah, that <laughs> makes sense. This is his baby. Why would he make something if he did, if he wasn't totally invested in making the story? You know? Like like when we covered Ultraviolet and people shit on Kurt Wimmer about that movie. That was his baby. And he had to abandon doing anything else with Ultraviolet because people hated that movie. Chopped his head off. <laughs> Django style. No. Django. Um, but uh, it says Star Wars was once a trailblazer in science fiction, and its originality gave most of the future blockbusters the templates for their scenes. And what was originally Star Wars innovation became cliche at the hands of other films. Now it is Star Wars using the same plot lines we have seen over and over again, copying others and episodes one, two, and three in a lazy attempt to seem interesting. Uh, which I think they meant to say, you know, uh, four, five, and six. I think is what they meant, like the original movies. Uh, all because I don't know. That just seems weird. I don't think he knows his own. I don't even think they understand what their point was on that. But anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> you do not need spectacle to create a good film. You need drama and humanity, both of which this film sorely lacks. In my opinion, the best lightsaber fight of the series was the showdown between Vader and Obi-Wan. The fight didn't have any flipping or flopping or any fancy kung fu, but it did have the enormous tension of the concept of the final fight between master and pupil. That made for a great scene, and the elements of drama are completely void from this movie. This is a cheap CGI fest that misses the point entirely. Now, on that, earlier they said admittedly impressive CGI, and then they said this is cheap CGI fest that misses the point. Wow. They contradicted themselves inside their own comment. In the in their own paragraph. It, this is like two paragraphs later, and the same thing that they said was like, eh, the CG is impressive, and then later on they're like, this is cheap CGI. <laughs> this guy. Oh, God. 
this is the this is the kind of stuff that I have to read every week. I have to torture myself by reading the most hateful shit on the planet. So <laughs> you're welcome for me having to make this sacrifice. Yeah, this is bitterness. Okay, so uh, yeah, we're gonna go ahead and do something that's actually fun <laughs> instead of miserable, like these hateful fucks. Yeah. Um, oh, one gonna... thing, just before you start, okay. I had one one more thing to add, and this one, uh, well, two things, two things to add real quick. Uh, it says, uh, uh, see this one comment in here, it says, um, they, uh, you still need a decent script, interesting characters, lines that make sense, and now here's the big one, actors who weren't picked for looks alone. I refer, of course, to Anakin and Padme. No spoiler from me as to what happens, I couldn't care less. Teenage angst and hormones. Get me a, give me a break. Buffy the Vampire Slayer delivered it better each and every week in 45 minutes between Spike and Buffy and Buffy and Angel. This is mindless crap. Yeah, Buffy's actually called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and she bangs like all the vampires in the show. <laughs> because they look hot. <laughs> so, that's invalid. Right. So on this one, uh, this is like this is the last comment that I found. And just to quickly do this one, because it's just it's short. It says, uh, George Lucas is a sellout. This film completely lacks the love, care, and imagination that went into episodes 4, 5, and 6. The sad thing is, after seeing the wretched episodes 1 and 2, I will still go to see episode 3 when it comes out, even though I'm sure it will suck. It is a testament to how good episodes 4, 5, 6 were, and I'm not alone with that sentiment. will purposely go to see a bad movie in the future. George Lucas's career embodies what is great about movies and what is wrong with movies at the same time. Yeah, if I thought the first two of a trilogy sucked, I wouldn't go see the third one. Right. If you if you'd seen Transformers one and two, and then you're like, ah, I, I, I just don't really like these. Are you gonna go see the third part? Which I have. I did see Transformers one and two, and I've never seen another one. Yeah, I've seen about yeah forty five minutes of the first Transformers movie. Knew that I didn't like it. I'm not a big fan of Michael Bay to begin with, uh, but no, no, I loved it. Shia LaBeouf. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the best part of that movie is Megan Fox, and you know, uh, Shia LaBeouf is probably the best actor in that movie. Yeah, uh, and people shit on Shia LaBeouf. If we ever do Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, that'll probably be 85 percent of people hate about that movie is Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> it's like this guy. I don't can't think act. he's a bad actor. I think hey, he's pretty good. Shia LaBeouf, uh, Constantine. Yeah, killed it. <laughs> Fucking killed it. Yeah, but anyway, so we got pretty much most of the hate out of the way. What was it? Uh, okay, you had we're gonna do movie pitches. Uh, <laughs> you're gonna be the producer. Uh, I'm going to be the one pitching you movies, trying to see if uh, I can get a movie made. This is Star Wars movies. Okay. Um. So I'm I'm basically I'm I'm Lucasfilm. You're Lucasfilm. I'm Lucasfilm guy. I'm the director. Trying to pitch you a movie. Are you Colin Trevorrow? I'm Colin Trevorrow. <laughs> I'm trying to get back in. Are you Lord and Miller? <laughs> <laughs> trying to, I'm trying to get back in. I'm trying to because they have to come out with a Star Wars movie every year for the yeah. next two thousand years. Right. Uh, so they need ideas. Yeah. So, so, so my thing is, is that if if the whole point of Lucasfilm basically being bought by Disney was so that they can essentially have a Star Wars movie every year, whether it's a main episode or it's a 
uh, it's like a side movie, like Rogue One was, and you know the this Han Solo thing that they're working on. You have to come up with something that is going to be able to like fill the gap and give you just enough Star Wars to hold you over till there's a main episode movie. Because like right. we had Rogue One in between, you know, Force Awakens and Last Jedi. What are you gonna do? Uh, to fill this after we get through with the Han Solo project and we have, you know, Ryan Johnson working on his trilogy. What What's your idea of the, the in-between movie? Okay, I have a movie idea about Darth Plagueis. Okay, The Wise. Remember, he's Darth Plagueis the Wise. Darth Plagueis the Wise. Sorry, Darth Plagueis. Don't, um, don't murder us. And we could either get Anthony Hopkins or Christopher Walken to oh. play Darth Plagueis. Plagueis. Oh, oh, a Plagueis as Hopkins would be good. <laughs> and then have a young Sidious in the movie. Okay. And I was thinking either Dane DeHaan or Logan Lerman. Okay, yeah. So we make a Sith-heavy Star Wars movie. That would be interesting. Because, uh, you know, we have like, Rogue One really kind of shows the plight of the Rebels. What if we just show, like, just super evil through the movie. <laughs> yeah. Just go full evil. We'll just do a movie about Sith. Exactly. And then the next idea I had was Force Ghost the movie. Force Ghost the movie? Is this like Ghost Dad? <laughs> no, it's it's going to have like Samuel L. Jackson recruiting like Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan, and Yoda. Okay. To help him on a journey to fuck some dark side up. Okay. <laughs> Oh, they probably could recruit Casper too. They could. They could get Casper could be in it. Casper it's fucking Disney. You could even get Casper Van Dien. Who knows? We could put Christina Ricci in this movie. Right, yeah. <laughs> okay. And then the next another idea is uh, I'm digging these so far. Keep going. Okay. Darth Vader's day off. Darth Vader's day off. <laughs> it's just Darth Vader doing Normal everyday stuff and meeting interesting characters along the way, like Space Dog and Howard the Duck and even George Lucas. Yeah, there we go. You know, George, what are you up to? <laughs> I'm just um, I'm working on a, on a new cartoon. <laughs> okay, that's pretty and, cool. And then I saved the best one for last. It's a Han Solo movie, but after this Han Solo movie, he captains the Enterprise. Star Trek fans are going to hate this whole episode. They're going to hate this whole trilogy. We keep fighting with Star Trek people. (laughs) That's why he had the Millennium Falcon on Jakku. is because he was captain of the Enterprise for 30 years. Yeah, he was doing that for a while. Until he fucked it up. (laughs) He needed the Falcon back. back. (laughs) He needed the Falcon back because I kind of... I kind of, I kind of fucked up the Enterprise. I need to go ahead and get my old ship back. I just kind of want to hang out with Chewbacca. I don't want to have to deal with this. Kirk, stop being an admiral. Just like give me my ship back. Right. You fucking this up. You can't smuggle drugs on the Enterprise. Right. You know you got spice inside of our hatches. Yeah. Well, you know I got a guy who's gonna pay like a ton of money. Get for the this. fuck off my ship. <laughs> That's the thing I think people forget is that Han Solo is basically a scumbag. He's a drug dealer. Why do we want to see the prequel movie? Why do Why do you want to ruin Han Solo? Like yeah, that? we're just gonna we're just gonna see him with like you know the the finest of, of Colombian coke, you know, like dealing, 
And then, you know, hustling Lando out of the Millennium Falcon. Like, you know, like, I, and I don't want to hate that movie, but I'm not super enthused about a Han Solo movie because I think it's it's a little pointless. His Han, his Han Solo story starts at Star Wars. That's yeah. when he stops being a piece of shit. <laughs> it's when he doesn't, he's when not a scumbag anymore, <laughs> you know? But, <laughs> but uh, that has been... Our episode on uh, Attack of the Clones. I hope you guys enjoyed. This was Beyond the Hate. Hopefully you can get Beyond the Hate. Alright, peace out. Peace. Could I save her? I know I could have. Sometimes there are things no one can fix. You're not all powerful. Well, I should be. Someday I will be. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. I promise you. I will even learn to stop people from dying. Anakin. It's all Obi-Wan's fault. He's jealous. He's holding me back. What's wrong, Annie? single one of them and not just the men but the women and the children too they're like animals and I slaughtered them like animals I hate them <laughs>